When we can talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. The people we trust with that important talk can help us know that we are not alone. Fred Rogers. The Dragon Pod from Bending Not Breaking. Book five, Ocean. Chapter four, The Great Bookery. Welcome to another episode of season five of The Dragon Prince, The Mystery of Erevos. We are covering episode four. Very exciting. Lots going on. Thank you for uh, enabling us to have a short break last week. Uh, It was intense. I found out that I had a surprise paper that I didn't know about. Uh, And your patience has been very, very uh, helpful and supportive. So thank you. Uh, we have an incredible conversation ahead of us today. I'm thrilled to let you know that we have a guest for this episode. And we've had some really great guests so far. We have some really great guests to look forward to, and today is no exception. And so I'd love to introduce you to Maggie M. Uses she, her pronouns, and she is back on the pod. And I am thrilled to have this lovely conversation with a friend and patron of the podcast. Maggie's a musician, a teacher, an avid consumer of the Avatar Verse and the Dragon Prince, among other lovely shows, and a dog walker extraordinaire. Maggie, welcome back. How are you today? Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Ben. That was lovely. Um, I'm doing really well. Usually I am in Michigan, but today I am out on the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. So that's kind of cool for a trip. <laughs> so fun times that we're still able, you know, to connect via Zoom, even though we're in different time zones, which usually is not the case. But hey, here we are. I'm excited. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Yeah, I am thrilled that we have the technology that enables us to talk about time zones and be able to make that work, mostly because most of the people who are involved in the podcast are from the West Coast. Yeah. So if we couldn't talk from distance, this podcast would probably not be as good as it as it is. Um, so thank you for joining. I'm so excited that we, uh, you know, I'm able to take a little bit of time out of your Seattle time. This is very exciting. Yeah, but uh, so for people who who don't know you very well and didn't listen to the last episode that you joined for, um, tell us something that makes you what makes you human? What makes you you? What makes you uh, want to get out of bed at the beginning of the day? What drives you? Well, even if I don't want to get out of bed, my dog Artemis gets me out of bed every day because, you yeah. know, relatable. He's- yeah, he needs to be walked, as I'm sure Callie does the same thing with you. Yeah. Um, but I love being outdoors and doing arts and listening to music, consuming music, playing music. Like you said, I'm a musician and a teacher. Um, I love people, but I also love my found family and like my little close-knit group of friends that I have. And then sometimes I just need to be like in quiet in nature mostly so like forest bathing where you walk and just 
oh yeah are one with nature and kind of have that moment of peace and serenity so yeah that's that's me amazing i had my first experience with forest bathing with uh, a friend of mine who is a social worker and is getting their accreditation in forest therapy and walked me through a sun, like a forest bathing experience. And it was awesome. <laughs> like it was so cool to do it formally. I, you know, I think we all do it informally and sometimes mm-hmm. just go on a walk, but to do the formal experience over like an hour and a half, two hour period was, was super neat. That's awesome. Yeah. I was, I was like, man, this sounds like a cool thing to have a certification in, <laughs> but ah, uh, alas, can't get a certification in everything. We'll see. I would be, I would be busy forever. Give yourself uh, a couple more years down the road, right? Yeah, You'll be like, yeah. oh, now I can do it. Yeah, I can come back to it later. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so uh, we got a little bit about you. Let's get a little bit more specific and talk about you and the Dragon Prince. So, tell me about your relationship with the show. For sure. So as you said, when you were doing my intro that I was a big Atla fan. So obviously when Dragon Prince came out and it had those Atla ties, I was like, oh, this show is going to be totally worth watching. And of course, it absolutely was blew all of expectations that I had going in. I think I stumbled across it when they were still doing like they were working on season two. So I watched all of season one on Netflix and then you know, have been waiting in all of the breaks in between for the next seasons to come out. And (laughs) every season just gets more intense, but more beautiful. And like the story is just, oh, it's so good. It is so good. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I like, and you know, it's so funny as you continue to read all of the, you know, tweets and, all of the information that comes out from the creators and from the voice actors and from the writers who are all like, y'all are in for it. If you think this was bad. You know, it's, I'm scared. Yeah, <laughs> I'm it's, nervous. It's hyping it up to the point where I'm like, Oh gosh, there something's going to happen. And I don't, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I think multiple people are going to die, but that's just my hot take. And I don't know if I'm ready for it. Yeah. I, that's my gut reaction too. And I have a theory, but I, you know, I'm going to hold on to that. We're <laughs> okay. Yeah. Or it's, it's, it's going to get bad, but anyway, I, uh, we digress. We're just speculating at this point. Yeah. Um, we know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to, you know, typically what we do is when we have people who were in the making and the creating of the show, we talk about them as like being a primal source and what we have, today is we can really dive into the fan experience and really lean into what it's like to experience these episodes and even this episode firsthand like this episode's pretty heavy and a lot's going on here um so i'm really curious what was it like for you if you can recall what was it like to experience this episode for the first time Oh, I do recall, thankfully. Um, So I, once the season came out, I knew I needed to watch it like continuously. Like I took breaks, but it was over a weekend. Um, And I remember specifically getting to this episode because we're like, what, four episodes in? And I was like, okay, clearly there's a lot more, like the characters have grown. The intensity has grown, right? There's been a, a time like jump a little bit. We've progressed forward. And I just remember this episode 
with so many points, but it's specifically where like Amaya yells go, like that had me in tears. (laughs) (laughs) I was sobbing, it wrecked me. And I, I texted one of my friends who, you know, Kelly, right. And I was like, have you watched it yet? And she was like, no, I can't yet. And I was like, I need to talk about it. I need to talk about it with somebody and nobody else has watched it. So I had to wait and I think it was when we all got on Patreon together that we were finally able to talk about it for one of the Atla episodes. But it was just, it was so visceral to, like, I could feel all of the feelings, you know, because it was so well, like, curated and the animation told the story and the facial expressions. And it was just like, it ripped my heart out. Yeah. And oh, gosh. And it's just this, you know what her screaming that means right that's communicating and what Ezrin's hearing that literally hearing it means Mm -hmm. right it's just like it's just like oh I'm getting chills just talking about it I like (laughs) like what a what a pivotal moment for the show like woof yeah it was heavy and it's the fourth episode so like I can't even imagine what the sixth season is gonna have (laughs) yeah it's in I really appreciate how they are kind of uh, changing it up in terms of like which episode is the hard hitting episode in the season. Yeah, because you know, episode three was like a whoa in in season four, and then it just it's it's kind of alternating. There's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, it's keeping the audience on their toes. It feels, um, which I imagine is probably intentional, but even if it's not, it's happening. <laughs> it is. And I like it because you don't know what to expect. So I think when I go into watching season six, it's going to have to be, again, like where I can do it over a course of a weekend or like a long day. And just because I have to get the whole story and then I'll go back like I did with this one and take it in at smaller Mm -hmm. consumptions to get a different side of it. But like, I just I think I have to be prepared from episode one to just be like, okay, our heart is going to get broken. (laughs) Fine, Everything's fine everything's fine we're just gonna have the tissue box at the ready and like our comfort food and I'm gonna hold my dog while I watch it so he can emotionally like support me it's gonna be fine yep yeah oh man well I'm looking forward to that Uh, I trust that it will be a riveting experience and what a perfect segue that is to (laughs) <laughs> to our lens today. Uh, we've talked about trust on the podcast um, several times at this point, and it's one of those words that is just so ubiquitous and loaded in culture that I feel like we could talk about it a hundred times and still never <laughs> quite put our finger on it to the to where we're like, we're good. We don't need to talk about this anymore. Um, and so you picked it. You picked trust, and um, you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, and so you've know you've known we've talked about this before, and yet it was still important for you to kind of lift up. And I'm curious why. That's great. Um, I was originally going to pick camaraderie, and then when I rewatched the episode, it's the scene where Amaya is talking to Rayla, and they have that whole conversation about trust and strength, and I was like, oh. No, we got to talk about trust because even though there are so many moments of camaraderie throughout the episode, it's really trust is more of that driving force. And like you said, even though we've talked about it and you've talked about it and Sunshine has talked about it, I feel like it could be the lens for every episode and it would still be different every single time. And we still would only be like 
maybe scratching the surface on of like all the things that need to be talked about. Could you imagine? I just had like, I'm never going to do this, but could you imagine like, okay, y'all, we're going to go through every episode and only talk about <laughs> it's a, like, we're going to actually go through every episode and do that. Okay. I'm not doing that, but I would listen to it wholeheartedly yeah, I, though. I, I'm sure it would be lovely and good, but I, I like, man, that would be intense. What a deep, mm-hmm. I feel like that's when you get to the point. That's like a dissertation on trust. Is this like, yes. Ugh, oof. But it would be, it would lead to greater understanding. Yeah, that's for sure. Really would. So, okay, we've learned why, but okay, what does it mean? Like why, uh, when you say trust and when you hear it, help me understand what you mean by that. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what we're all still trying to figure out and like uh-huh. discern <laughs> on our own individually uh, and as a collective? I think at, at this moment in time, it's kind of like what Amaya said, in order for me to trust someone or to trust a process, there has to be vulnerability. And I know we've talked about that before, and you are a big Brene Brown fan as who? You know, as we should be. Have you heard of her? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if yeah. I know Never heard of her before. So that idea of when you're trusting towards someone or a collective that you have to give part of yourself, but you also have to give control. But when you open yourself up to trust and that vulnerability, you really are stronger together in that group setting or in that collaborative setting, even if it's just two people. And there is such a a bond of love. Now, granted, when trust is broken, like that is like the opposite side of the coin, right? It's so much harder to recover from Mm. that and to heal those bonds. And I think that's what I find fascinating about trust. And I have experienced both sides of it, right? Where I've opened up and trusted people and it's turned out wonderful. And then at the same time, you know, I've trusted people and it's not turned out well. And like my safety has been in danger because of it. And then like those relationships have to end. And then other times trust has been broken and then we've worked through it. And that's taken years though, right? To like rebuild. Yeah, it's just this interesting framework of, you know, we we trust until we learn that we can't, right? Mm-hmm. And that's scary. And so what that leads to is when you get burned too hard, it leads us to, okay, nope, can't trust anyone. And then we suffer because of that. And so it's this weird like relationship of, of, of a pendulum of, I'm going to, I'm going to trust, 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 oh, trusted too much. And then it swings the other way. And I'm like, nope, can't trust anyone. <laughs> and so like, it's finding that balance in the swing back and forth of where is that for us and how much risk are we willing to tolerate and what kind of risk are we willing to tolerate when it comes to trust? So I'm, I'm excited to use this episode as a kind of a, another avenue to find that for ourselves. <laughs> yes, for sure. But before we dive in, we have a responsibility to all of our listeners who didn't mm. watch the episode recently. Um, <laughs> and you know what's coming. You know what's I coming. do. Uh, we have a 30-second recap that we have to make sure we do. Uh, and of course, that means we both have an opportunity here to enlighten our listeners as to what occurred. Um, how would you like to handle that? Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I would like to go second. Ah, excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to pull up a timer and will you count me in? For sure. Can I do a countdown? Is that good? Yep. At your leisure. Three, two, 
One, go. Okay, so the corrupted scaries hide from the sun, and then the team has five hours, and then Amaya and Rayla talk it out with apologies and threats, and then Kareem flatters Sol Regum, who has a lot of shame he's dealing with, and then Callum and Kazi uh, find some info on the Nova Blade, and then Rayla's inspired by Amaya and wants to confess to Callum, who gets caught up in the baddies, and then they come out to fight, and then the big scary fight, and then lots of corrupted banthers, and then Zubaya shows up with Zippy Zappy, and then Bait gets almost everyone killed, and Corvus and Amaya find safety in the book drop, and then everybody's super sad and nervous, because what's going to happen? And now and that's 30 seconds Woo-hoo! wow that it's was really phenomenal it's really helpful when half the episode is a fight so <laughs> um it breaks it down you're like oh i don't have to say those details they, they fought big fight <laughs> um ah. but all right are uh are you ready uh you know i wouldn't say that i'm as prepared as i have been in the past but it's fine i'm here i'm excited uh, yeah. it's fine all right. Well, I can count you in whenever you're ready. Let's All do it. Three, two, one, go. Library. Lots of nerds. We're loving books. We're looking. There's poetry. Don't get distracted by the poetry. Oh, wait, the poetry's helpful. And there's a dragon, and the dragon is blind. He just wants to take a nap because, yeah, the world is depressing. I feel that too. And then here we are. We're fighting, and then we get yanked out of the library, but we have to leave behind our lovely aunt amaya and corvus everyone's sad the end wow five seconds to spare well done thank you i tried to pull off the things that you didn't say in case people hadn't watched it yep yep love it love it teamwork here the whole point of doing it together we we get a, a a more expansive view of the whole episode we nailed it this is the whole point i feel like we did great the goal yeah all right, you know what that means. That means we get to dive in to the joy that is the meat of the episode. Um, so what is a moment of trust that you would like to go to first? Incredible. I was going to say now that the recap's over, the hard part's over, but it's really not because we have to talk about no, all of the like, <laughs> Do the rhetorical work of figuring out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think it depends on the definition. Okay, so it's a small moment, but it's one that I mentioned in my 30-second recap. It's where Kazi and Callum are searching for information, right? And they're both like, okay, we got to find this. And Callum has like that really serious moment of how to kill a, you know, elf. And she's like, I don't think there's a section on that. And then they like go off (laughs) into their own sections. And I just, I love the part where she's like, look at this poem. And he's like, no, we don't have time for poems. And she's like, but it's the, it's an important poem because it's actually what we're looking for. And it's just that moment where Callum is not trusting that the information that she's giving of, hey, look at this, is actually relevant, which kind of leads me to believe that either she said, hey, look at this many times that we didn't see off camera, or it takes me back to that moment in season one where Claudia is like, ooh, 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 look at this. And then it's like she taps on her nose. And then there's that moment of nobody understands Claudia. Claudia, what are you trying to say? Wow. Okay. So I have to admit that I'm in super feminist mode right now because I'm in a class with uh, the whole class is on bell hooks. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, this week I'm reading about masculinity and 
it's really fascinating to me that you say this because I'm immediately going to the fact that the two people you just mentioned are Kazi, who is genderqueer, mm-hmm. and Claudia. Um, and so both of which are not male. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that both of them are discounted by one male figures. And the other thing that's really interesting to me in this is Kazi's discounted earlier in the episode too. Um, and so for, and the way you phrased it was particularly interesting, what is seemingly irrelevant, right? I think that was what you said. Yeah. And the book drop is ultimately what saves Amaya's life and Corvus's life, right? And it was seemingly irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And this important thing that Kazi has shared is (laughs) is <laughs> very very relevant and it's the same thing where I, I, it seems as though the whimsy of people who present in a more feminine aspect is shut down often by patriarchy and so i'm that was that was a uh, probably more feminist um rhetoric than we expected to go down at least I expected to go down but I'm curious what your reflections are on that (laughs) so I can't agree more especially so when I'm not doing music I study martial arts but I also teach martial arts and because I am a femme person right I use she her and I have short hair right now but for most of my teaching I've had really long hair until I donated it and the amount of times that men have come into my dojo and I am leading dojo, but I am a female and immediately tried to discount everything that I say or say, oh, I know how to do that better or just try to become the authority, even though it's day one, hour one, not even hour one, five minutes into a class that they've never done before. Like I relate because I have physically experienced what you're referring to, but it is, it's so interesting how especially being smaller of stature, right? Like I'm five foot two, so I'm short. So I don't have that tall authority where you come in and you're like, I have things to say. And then people are like, shh, stop speaking. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I, I wonder if it's just written into, you know, our indoctrination that like women are not too, not as trustable (laughs) as men are. Right. Especially when it comes to like, and I I think part of this is also the way that like emotion is playing a role here. Like Claudia was excited. It was whimsy. She was being um, playful, right. In her knowledge and what she found And Kazi is like, Ooh, I'm really excited about like this poetry and it comes across that way. And I, I wonder if the affect of how it is said changes how people perceive whether it's trustworthy as well right Mm -hmm. does that make sense it does yeah because if you come at it instead of being like i like have found the way right with the serious tone everyone would take you seriously but at the same time it it like weighs down the room right so you have to have that balance of oh i'm excited i found it and I do relate to that too, right? Because you're like, oh, look at this thing. This thing is important. Wait, I haven't found the words to say why it's important yet, uh, but yeah, let yeah. me get there. Yeah, well, it also, what that does is it, it, it erases, 
like emotionality, right? We can't be uh, whimsical and happy and excited in certain situations. We ha- we we shut those emotions down in order to be taken seriously, right? Because in we, like that's what it means to be trustworthy is to be to be able to be taken seriously in a world that doesn't value emotion, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, right? Like is yeah. That- It does, because, like, how many times do you hear you're being too emotional, and yet anger is not an emotion? Yes, exactly. Uh, Not an unacceptable emotion, anyway. Correct. Yeah, so, I mean, that's really interesting to to kind of, to parse out in terms of what is trustworthy and what is not, is not only who is it coming from, but what emotion is it being presented with? Uh, is important to consider, right? Because I, I think mm-hmm. what we've seen with these two examples, and I'm sure we could find more if we looked for them, is that that plays a role and plays a factor in whether something is trustworthy, generally speaking. Um, and I want to be careful there and not say it is untrustworthy because we're also proven wrong in both of these instances. And I say mm-hmm. we being the character who, like, opposes that like so Viren in the first place and Callum in this case are both proven wrong that they are quite necessary and I should also say that you know Amaya comes across as more masculine like she is butch lesbian right and she's the one who discounts and says we need to move on we got a time frame to go in with that initial instance too with Kazi talking about the book drop yeah Uh, yeah so I, I don't think it's um (laughs) limited to men however a result of patriarchal (laughs) indoctrination I guess yes and there's also that scene talking with Kazi earlier where not only does she show them but she literally opens the door right and then does not close it because if she had closed it both Corvus and Amaya would not be able to enter the book drop, right? Because there's this special, like, she taps, she hit bumps, and I think she does one other thing, right? Where she took all this time in her years of study, right? And her study of knowledge in her free time of academia to learn how to do this one task that ended up saving two people's life in the course of battle. And, like, what a cool illustrative point that is right that through research and through time and thoughtfulness and understanding that we are better equipped in a confrontational setting yeah here here i'm here for all this this is great this is good this is great so far all right what's what's a what's another moment that we want to we want to touch on let's talk about karim for a little bit even though he's one of my least favorite (laughs) yeah (laughs) Characters. I struggle. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I get it, right? Like he's he's the the prince that has been cast out and lots is happening. And I'm like, maybe, maybe he will turn. Maybe we'll have a Prince Zuko moment. I don't really think so, but that's fine. Who yeah. knows? Well, yeah. we're just gonna have to wait and see, right? Ben, we just have to wait. Yeah, we have we don't have all the information yet. Yeah, but for him specifically, when he goes uh, seeking out the dragon that he has that trust in his ability of explaining that humans have entered Zadia and his like confidence in the fact that he is a prince right he's inherited this 
just existence of being listened to by those in authority, right? Even if they're not of his court, right? Because he's literally going to the former king of the dragon and asking for help and asking him to get literally get up and get out of bed and and do things. And when he says no, and there's that that moment where he's the dragon's talking about how he's already lost hope before he loses his sight. Yeah. And I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. It's so good. But then there's also the part where it's like Karim didn't even hear that because at the end of the episode, he's like, we're going to get his sight back. Yeah. So he's just like trusting that I'm going to do things, right? And this is going to get me to X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I found this. I find that my judgment and prejudice towards kareem is uh, i am most affected by by this um and so i have to be really mindful and cognizant but yeah your boy just walks straight on in like to this very we've seen what soul Regum is capable of right like yeah. we've seen him try to burn down people before callum and rayla specifically but you know kareem just walks in is like i'm a prince nobody's gonna burn me alive <laughs> um and just like again it's just like the uh the audacity i i imagine like and it's it's i i really think you you put your finger on something important which was he has grown up as a prince with all of the privileges that come with that that title and um has to this point not experienced much rejection and no uh, like and that's partly why he's i think resisting janai so hard is that she told him no when he's having a little temper tantrum um to put it lightly <laughs> so <laughs> temper tantrum but it's fine yeah it's just a little one it's fine um yeah i i, I the confidence and like self-righteousness seems to uh cultivate a sense of trust in the world is that is that a good way to phrase that Does yeah that, seem that sounds great yeah and i like part of me is like i i want you to have a little less of that <laughs> let's bring it down a little bit like, yeah like how do we swing that pendulum back the other way a little bit <laughs> and and i guess that's interesting right because this is uh, you know, I've heard the phrase, and this is, you know, Kareem is not a, a white man, but I've heard a, the quote on Instagram and on in other places and tweets and things like that around, like, may I be blessed with the confidence of a mediocre white man? Yes. And mm -hmm. I'm reminded of this quote in this moment with Kareem and thinking about what it means to be royal and be someone who has you know, again, experience this kind of privilege. And um, I'm just reminded of that. I'm reminded of that. And I'm, it makes me nervous to think about like what trusting in your um, station, how that can be harmful, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, that's my that's my gut reaction <laughs> i like it here here well said yeah um 
I, I'm part of me is waiting for someone as these episodes come out to like, I, I, I'm eager for someone to kind of push back and help me see Kareem in a different light. But until that happens, I'm like, it's hard. So mm-hmm. uh, listeners, if, <laughs> if you are listening and you see it a different way, I please help me expand my uh, understanding because I am clearly missing something. Maybe. 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 Maybe not. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I, okay. So that's one thing. Now focusing on soul regum is I think an yes. interesting, interesting point. I, I, I had a thought around how hope and trust seem interconnected a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he says that he has, he lost his hope long before he lost his sight. And I'm like, okay you lost trust in something. And I'm curious what that, that hopelessness seems to be like, I'm hopeless, like things will never get better. I, and it it seems more expansive than I won't ever get my sight back. And that's what Kareem's jumps to is like, I'm going to restore his sight and that'll make everything better. But for Sol Regum, it seems much more expansive than that. And it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to parse out the difference between, I think, trust and faith, I guess. And I don't, I don't know that I have an answer here, but I'm ruminating on this question. What are your thoughts? (laughs) You know, it's a great question. I don't know if I have specific thoughts, like able to immediately emerge because it's, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. Right. And there, and I feel like with, this character specifically there's so much backstory that we don't have that's you know so we don't we don't have a specific point where we can go this is where he lost his trust in dragons or elves or the world because we haven't seen all that proceeds right so like he's one of those characters that i hope they expand upon in like maybe the readings later on or we get like a flashback episode in you know future seasons because I think that would help us really understand yeah who he is more or help us understand why he is the way he is yeah I think that's helpful to kind of remember right we only have this one memory of this the traumatic experience of his life versus everything else that's a part of that that has led to where he is today um yeah I think it's a really good point um but yeah I'm I I think that it's interesting to think about how hope is uh, I think partially grows and stems from trust in something and I and I think we see that if I may I think we see that in this history of Caleb and Rala Rala oh my god Rala Rala um (laughs) <laughs> with Callum and Rayla, who we get this like montage of memory, uh, yes. right? And, gorgeous, and it is. It's really gorgeous, and it's just like in the way I interpret that is like this is what Rayla thinks about and remembers when Amaya talks to her and, and like provokes her a little bit, and uh, these this is her memory sequence of why she really does trust Callum. And it's just so many examples where they've leaned on each other and that has cultivated a hope 
that Callum will be able to hold her in this moment when she shares about the people in these coins, right? Yes. And I, I, you know what I mean? Like it's that reflection on, oh, I can trust this person relates to, oh, I'm hopeful that when I share this new thing, I can continue to rely on that trust. And that is absent from Sol Regum, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I don't have the experience that leads me to believe that I can trust in something anymore. And so now I'm hopeless. <laughs> right. That's my yes. parallel or rather lack thereof. <laughs> no, I, I like it, especially because the the scene that we get with Rayla's flashback and the fact that it's from, like you said, her perspective versus Callum's perspective, I think really opens us up more to, she's really guarded because she's lost her parents, right? So there's that immediate sense of like, I have to be a warrior. I have to put walls up because my immediate family disappeared. And then her uncles, right? And her her uncle's partner, is what well, also thought was dead and now is not and then the partner shunned her because they yeah. bl- like the elves blamed her right for the death of the assassins so it's just like it's all these layers right that we get to see of Rayla and then we get to see these beautiful moments of her and Callum and I love that they're not the really romantic moments you know what I mean like they really yeah. are those moments of I trust you as a human not just as a romantic partner but instead of being here are the romantic highlights, here are the parts of you as a human and as my like partner in you've got my back, I have your back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I, I just think it's so interesting to think about because I think hope is so important, right? And I, I think that, you know, as I think about um, from a therapeutic context, like, hopelessness is a massive indicator of um of depression right and it's interesting to think about it from you know i can i'm also in the divinity school and thinking about hopelessness from a theological standpoint of like okay how do we cultivate hope in a world that is so riddled with suffering and problems and and um I'm seeing here that this, this love I'm like, cause I think trust and love are so interconnected here. Right. Because yes, it's, it's these relationships that don't necessarily need to be romantic. As you've said, it's not the romantic scenes that come to mind. It's the, I've got your back. We're really good friends. We're, we trust one another in these moments that are really critical. Um, mm-hmm. And like, and those moments create a foundation to where you can imagine a different world where this is more likely to occur again and to exist and to be possible. And so I don't know, I feel like I'm rambling at this point, but it, it feels really important (laughs) to, to work on our trust with people in order to like, I feel like building our capacity for trust as a thesis statement, building our capacity for trust enabled us to envision a world in which it's better than it is now. Yes. Right? That's what yes. it feels like. <laughs> it's like yes, we're going to be confident. <laughs> we, we're going to be confident. Well, and there's the part too where 
Amaya talks about not with just trust, but with love and how that brings strength together, right? When she's having that heart to heart moment with Rayla. And there's such a beauty in that, right? Because Rayla's like, I needed to do it alone. And Amaya's like, you sound just like me. Because how accurate is that, right? Because you had enough trust broken to the point where you're like, well, I'll just have to protect myself by it being me, myself, and I, right? Because humans or the world has like turned their back or done things that have caused me to be wary of them and untrustful but then in the when you don't trust people and you don't have that ability to lean on somebody else or a collective a group of people right you're you're going to just drown in your own sorrow and your own struggling and everything is going to be so much harder like not even twice as hard but like tenfold as difficult unless you have a community backing you. Yeah, I think that is such an integral piece of this that we really haven't touched on yet. But the 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 I think we talked about the pendulum before, but instead of thinking of the pendulum like of like trust to no trust, in another way it can be from individual to community. Yes. Right? And the fact that like we as human beings are so interconnected and interrelated <laughs> that to live without trust means that we are going to go against our neurobiological wiring that man, like we're a social species, right? We Mm -hmm. must be, we are reliant on other people, right? Um, And to fall against the pendulum of trust and to go towards a more individualist, like I can do it on my own, like it's me, myself and I, and I don't need anyone else is exactly what perpetuates that feeling right Mm -hmm. and so it's it's so counterintuitive right that we think we are protecting ourselves when we isolate when in reality what we're doing is we're shutting off our capacity for change right oh it's so frustrating (laughs) and yet the dragon prince shows us how important that collectiveness is but not just of people that are like-minded right of how you need so many different types and creatures right like we get to see the elves and we get to see dragons and we get to see humans and we get to see different types of elves right and then we have this moment where we have you know an academic elf who has lived in the library and loves to study and then we have Rayla who is literally an assassin right like (laughs) trained to fight and kill and like that is in her dna and then we have callum who is a mage and is trying to understand like nature and how he can use all of these elements right to assist him but he needs knowledge to be able to do that so he's also the bookworm and then we have amaya and how she is like you know a freaking general as a woman which is wonderful and we get to see like that strength and that relationship of two very powerful queer female characters too just being like yeah we're gonna take over the world but in a good way because we're gonna bring it out of this like divided land that we've been seeing and how only together like they're able to make a better community that is stronger yeah, I mean, you're so right. This is like this show is. It seems like it's trying to show us the power of collective, right? Yeah. And that it's 
like as the group continues to rely on one another, their capacity for change grows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's the whole premise between like building this relationship between Ezrin and the dragons, right? And Ezrin's yes. desire to do that. And it's only when he works together with Zubea and Zubea allows him to make this speech uh it, I think this is in the prior episode is mm-hmm. like they're able to succeed with that because of that collaborative trust that he's able to lean on and Zubaya is able to leverage um yeah I mean this this is a like you're right we should do every episode through a lens of trust <laughs> yeah. well and thinking of trust even with like the even though um he's not in this episode as much but the fact that Ezrin is a king and he's a very young king right so we see that trust of just because you are young does not mean you are knowledgeable and not that you are unable to lead right but at the same time we do need people who have been leading longer but when you work together versus being like my way is the right way no my way is the right way and we just see how wonderful like Zubaya allowing you know Ezrin to speak for the dragons right and to them and trying to get them to all understand where he's coming from and the fact that they came at it together yeah that's the only way that would have worked right because if it had just been Zubaya or it had just been Prince Ezrin well King Callum uh king as in at this point you know Callum can be king I don't know um it wouldn't have worked right like you need yeah. that that group effort that sense of collaboration community and collective like you were saying yeah you do <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh my gosh okay so so far what we've got is that in order to cultivate a more hopeful future, trust seems integral. Mm-hmm. It, I'm also hearing that that trust is a part of part of what trust is is realizing that we're part of community and that we need one another in order to progress and do well and collaborate and create a future that is more inclusive and better than it would be if we were acting alone Mm -hmm. did I miss anything uh what else um I don't think so that sounds about right and love and strength yeah and that oh and that we should check our patriarchy and make sure we're listening to women yes (laughs) right Mm -hmm. listening to people who have a, a healthy display of emotion, right? Listening to people who um, deserve to be listened to. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, do you have another moment that you want to turn to? I do. It's the part where, so we've talked a lot, uh, like pre-battle scenes. It's the mm-hmm. part where we're now in the battle where Amaya is in danger and Rayla prepares to like shoot the arrow right but she's not able to get a clean shot so you see her hesitate and then Callum comes up and is like 
shoot, and they don't even have to communicate what's going to happen, right? There's that immediate trust, like that hesitation is gone, and together they're able to protect Amaya in that moment. And I just think that's such a beautiful moment of collaboration, but also trust and getting to see their bonds of how in a really high intense, high stress situation that if one of them is struggling, the other one is there. And then together they're, they literally are stronger together, right? Right. Like they're able to achieve their goal together, but individually they would not be able to. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this when I watched it, I was reminded of the idea that when we are in crisis that we default to our uh like our what we have practiced right we default to what we what we do normally and what this indicates is that their baseline is is trust right that in this moment there is uh such intrinsic trust that uh, like it could have been a scene where Rayla's like what do you mean if I hit I'm gonna shoot I'm gonna hit her I'm gonna hit like she could have argued here she could have responded differently she could have been defensive she could have said no are you crazy she could have said so many things but instead it's just like okay boom and um I think of, I was like, I don't remember where I heard that quote originally, but I, we default to like our worst selves in crisis. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing here is that these two have practiced this so much that this is their default now, right? Mm-hmm. This immediate sense of trust is so important. And I think if we turn to earlier in the season, what we see are moments that are really close to this where Callum is like, no, I trust her implicitly. Mm-hmm. And I, that matters, right? That buildup, this again, montage of trust and consistent, consistent capacity and examples of trust make it so that this moment's possible. <laughs> yes. And specifically going off of that, the fact that Callum has from the beginning of this season, even though he's upset with Rayla, right? He's never lost trust in Rayla. And yet Rayla is not trusting enough to like share this burden with Callum. And that in this scene, we see that he says, do it. And we see that moment where she goes, I trust you, right? So we get to see that like, full completion because they've had this moment of conversation earlier right and you know I love that she asks permission to share her burden with him like wasn't that just a beautiful scene and he goes absolutely I will do anything for you just just share it with me and the fact that we get to see like you were saying that culmination of how they started in the season and even started in like the whole series right yeah. Not trusting each other, butting heads, struggling, and here they are. Okay, you've got my back. I've got your back. We're we're in this together. Yeah. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point too that I, I found to be like uh, it left me feeling curious, right? Where she's in the middle of saying, Hey, I like, can I share this with you? He's like, Of course. 
Uh, and she does. And in this, she she continues and says, Callum starts to interrupt and she's like, no, I'm going to prioritize the, what we're working on right now. And I'm not going to focus on this. I'm not going to I'm not going to let this get in the way of what we're trying to accomplish. And I'm like, girl, you can do both. Like, mm-hmm. what, what, what are, like, why are you there? And I and I wonder what the story she's telling herself is, even as she leans into trusting him. She is, I think still telling herself a story that Callum's going to judge this mm-hmm. that um is really fascinating for me right because i was like girl you no 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 you could have paused you could have stopped right there and everything would have been would have been fine but the fact that she continues into that is really interesting for me i was curious did you have thoughts on that moment is that uh, resonating I did. Yes, it resonated slightly different though. So when I was watching that moment, it wasn't that she was just struggling with what you said, which makes total sense to me now that you verbalized it. But I was thinking more of how she was brought up in the elf community and how she was a part of like the military side, right? Where there's, we're going to go assassinate the king, right? Like here is our goal. And I wonder because she's been trained where we have one objective as a, as a group, as a community, and we're not going to deviate from that of how much that is also pushing her to be like, even though this is so important to me, it's, it, I see that there's more important things out there in the world. No, that's such a good point, right? Because I I think that what you're pointing to is like, I think that both of these things can be true, right? That yes, that she feels compelled to say this because of a story. And it might be that that story is very much rooted in her training and upbringing, right? In that she was trained to put aside her personal feelings for the sake of the mission, right? They all literally tied a band around their wrist <laughs> that will cut off their wrist if they fail. Yeah. Um, and to that's a really good reminder as to how our histories play a role in the stories we tell ourselves in the moment, right? That's such mm-hmm. a wow. Um, no, that's really cool. And I also wonder, this came up while you were just saying that is because Callum lost his mom and dad, right? Like his stepdad. I wonder if she also is worried of putting, finding her parents more at the forefront that she almost feels guilty because Callum isn't going to get his parents back. Uh expansive that is like okay we're like and i think that's so interesting i'm just nerding out a little bit i think what happens when we watch these shows is we have one perspective one lens one story and then when we have this conversation all of a sudden this character just becomes so fleshed out and so expansive that it's like this is a real person that has feelings and everything (laughs) and i'm like oh my god so yeah it's just it's so real and there's so much and it just speaks to how talented the writers are on the show that it's so much room for this conversation to happen and to have so many connection points that like it's just mm, there's no good there's no good (laughs) they're doing they're doing so well and the fact that we're on like the fifth season and that we can pull so much from the previous seasons, right? Yeah. And we're not, this isn't the end, right? Like we're in the middle and That's the writing 
the messy middle, but the writing itself is just getting better. Yeah. Right. And then you're getting to draw back on the beginning to show that they had a, a vision, right? They had a goal at the beginning and we can see how that is expanding and just, it's becoming its own colossal world that has so many layers to it. Right. Like if, cause the first season is good, but if the story did not have more to go, you'd be like, well, that was a good story. Right. Like that's fine. But the fact that so much of these characters have grown and are flawed, right? The characters are flawed to the point where you're like, I know they're elves, but are we sure they're not human? Like, this is such a human characteristic. And it just, it gives you that they're growing. I struggle with that. I've Mm. seen someone struggle with that, or I've experienced something like that. And then it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's so good. And it's just a show, Ben. It's no. just a show. A silly show. It's just a silly cartoon. <laughs> it's just a kid show, right? Yeah, a little kid show. Silly cartoon kids show. Animated. Who watches animated shows are for kids? Oh, uh, God. Wild. This is, people are wild. Um, Indeed. Yeah. Can't trust them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. What else? Anything else? What haven't we touched on? Um, I feel like we need to talk about the scene where Amaya is left behind and goes back, especially so I wrote down the part where she goes back to get, um, wow, I can't even, bait, to go get bait, right? When bait gets left behind and she just throws him like a football trusting that somebody is gonna catch him he even got the spiral right he's even, he even spiraling the spiral <laughs> and i remember the first time i watched that and because we get to see how bait i love how bait's coloring changes to show his emotions even though we don't always know what emotion he's feeling but we can see the color and then we can make these um assumptions slash you know we can kind of use context clues to figure out probably what he's feeling but we get to see how his color changes as he flies because he knows he's going to safety even though he's literally being thrown like a football through the air and yet he's like ah I'm safe now (laughs) because he trusts Amaya and he trusts that somebody's gonna catch him and I just thought that was such a beautiful moment and like so artistically drawn too that we get to see the change of color and like his facial expressions are changing which like who would have thought a like what is he he's a toad um a glow toad. yeah a glow toad like who would have thought that we would be like oh look at his face right look at those facial expressions wow. and yet they're so human like right like we get to see the personality and the feelings and it becomes so much more visceral than just watching him spiral through the air. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting that this moment where they're all about to die (laughs) and uh, they Callum is like, no, we can't forget about bait. And there's a part of me, and I know I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for this. There's a part of me that's like, you're you about could. to You are literally yeah. about to die. <laughs> like, I, I, I get it. Like, I, I love, I love my dog. 
and yeah. like if I was surrounded by things where if they literally just scratched me, I'd be done for. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I would have, I, I, I would struggle with this reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so interesting that it's not just Callum that has this reaction, right? Um, Amaya, the whole team does. The whole team reacts this. Exactly. Um, it's fascinating to me that like Bates, Bates, not just a pet. Bait mm-hmm. is a part of that team in a way that no pet can like it's not the same mm-hmm. right he kind of reminds me and that of uh oh, what's um Rayla's little creature um Bella yes they remind me of familiars when mm-hmm. you like take the idea of a familiar and those with witch and like wizarding skills and how it's so much more than a pet right? It's someone that protects you. It's your partner. And we get to see that with Bate because he literally saves Amaya's life by glowing and blinding all of these creatures that are surrounding her, right? Really good point too, right? Like that was earlier in the episode. That wasn't like just just before this. That was yeah. several minutes ago at this point. Which is forever in a fight. Like exactly. minutes are basically like hours. Yeah. And so that's a really good point that like Amaya jumps in <laughs> because bait jumped in mm-hmm. um, i like I, I forgot that he had like literally jumped in front of her and and blinded this this panther earlier yeah that's a great point mm. Mm. all right we did it we did wow look at us go yeah there's a lot going on but don't worry we aren't done yet we're gonna uh venture forth into the unknown and then we're gonna come right on back into the still unknown for our final couple of segments but we'll amazing uh, we'll we'll uh you'll hear us then you won't see us then but you you know they'll hear us soon Welcome back. We are excited to venture forth into a new practice. We've been doing Lectio Divina for the past couple of episodes, and we're moving into a new practice that I'm excited to kind of just give some context for. And then we're going to we're going to try it out, see how it goes. And we might do it for a couple episodes. Uh, So today we are practicing uh, what is called Florilegia, which in Latin means a gathering of flowers. And this uh, stems <laughs> from a history of reading sacred texts and picking metaphorical flowers from the text to form a little beautiful bouquet. And again, flowers in the context uh, are beautiful in their own context when you see them growing out and either in the wild or in the garden or however they are. And when you put a bunch of flowers together, uh, and pick them, the experience shifts and changes when they're in the form of a bouquet. And so 
when you see flowers in a new light, it provides deeper meaning. And theoretically, when you do that with the text, it provides deeper meaning to the text as well. And so we're going to attempt to do that today. And what I have done is I have invited Maggie to pick a quote from the show. And uh, what we will do is we will read both of our quotes. And then before we explain why we picked it, we're going to put them in conversation with one another. And then we will come back and say, okay, this is who said it. This is where it comes from. This is why I picked it. But we don't want to, uh, we want to create a, uh, you know, we want to we want to witness the bouquet for what it is before we unpack what's going on. Uh, so Maggie, tell me about the the little sparkle flower that you you picked today. So my my sparkle flower is this is the part where I read it right. Yeah, okay, just checking. Love and trust grow a kind of strength that is much bigger than we each possess. End quote. Amazing. So that's really interesting. We're going to uh, unpack that. I'm going to have you read it again um, after I read mine so we can put them together. But uh, we're going to ruminate on that for a second. And then the one that I picked is the sun will never rise again for me. And so um we have now these two quotes that what we're going to do is put them together and we are going to see how they interact with one another and what do they do when they're put together. And so Maggie, if you'll do me a favor and uh, nice and slowly read through that quote once more. Love and trust grow a kind of strength that is much bigger than we each possess. The sun will never rise again for me. So when you hear these two together, uh, I'm curious what comes to mind. And when we ask that question, we're being more expansive than what comes to mind from the show. It's what comes to mind for you, generally speaking, when you hear those two phrases together. So... I think it's really interesting that these are the two quotes that we both picked separately because <laughs> together I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I feel like we could spend a whole podcast just talking about how these two, right? <laughs> like how they connect together. So the first thing I'm thinking about is outside of Dragon Prince land and world is how like if the start of the quote is talking about how we need multiple things in order to build strength, but it's also, it's bigger as a collective than an individual, but then we end the quote that the sun will never rise again for me. I take that as like something, like I am consciously aware that I need others to literally rise right in the world and yet I'm at a place where I cannot physically do it myself mm -hmm. or I cannot rise up to meet them does that make sense yeah so let me let me make sure I'm hearing you right I'm I'm hearing that uh 
it's simultaneously calling you towards the collective and making you think that by yourself it's not possible is that is that right yeah yeah and also maybe even it like at this specific point if I was to say that that even though I'm being called to the collective I do not have the strength to stand up to rise up to the collective so like others would need to lift me Ooh, okay. Yeah. And no, I, I love thinking about it that way. Like in a way, what how I'm interpreting that is the sun will never rise again for for me. Not that it will never rise again. It's that it's not gonna rise again for me. And that is to say that it's going to rise and it will continue to rise because that's not something that theoretically changes on a day-to-day basis um there may come a day where the, you know the sun doesn't rise but that's like that's a, that's going to be a very pivotal moment anyway i digress <laughs> thinking about the sun never rising again for me is saying that it's not about me in a way like in like in you know it's not about me it's about us it's about this this thing that is much bigger than us um and the sun is going to rise again and there's like there's there's a, like a, a backward sense of hope there that I'm kind of feeling that um, when you phrase it that way and with that emphasis, it feels like there's there's hope there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> what an interesting little little bouquet we have. What yeah. did it What did it bring up for you? You know, I I. I it's you know, one of the uh rhetorical devices and poetic devices that you, you learn about in high school um is the this concept of juxtaposition and it's interesting to think about and you know when we're talking about flowers and bouquets and there's this oh love and trust grow this beautiful thing and that's super cool and then it's like the sun will never rise again for me and it's like <laughs> And it's it's like this beautiful light, uh, hopeful message that is then counteracted with this like dismal. It's 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 very poetic, and to me, it reminds me of this pendulum that we were talking about, of how like this is exactly what we were saying of what the extremes look like. It's this collective sense of what love does and trust does. It grows into something that's beautiful. And then this like dreary, isolated, I'm alone and the sun doesn't even rise for me. Um, Sense of, you know, shame and this sense of hopelessness. And so it's this really interesting contrast that I'm that I'm seeing. It's like seeing a little beautiful like sunflower mixed with a a really dark purple (laughs) like iris, you know. Um, Yeah, that's what I think about. Mm. You know, while you were saying that, it also invoked this feeling like, you know how at funerals we give flowers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How the loved ones that are are left behind, right, from the person that has since passed, how, depending on how close you are to that person, right, I always like to make the analogy that when you lose someone, it's very similar to an injury, right? There are different levels of injury. Like, if you're not super close, it's kind of like, 
ouch, I cut my finger. It hurts for a couple days or a couple weeks, but then I move on and I like, it didn't even leave a scar. Right. And then there's, I've lost my partner in life, right? The one that I had children with, or I raised children with, and now I have grandchildren and I am supposed to continue to get up and go through my, my day on a daily basis. And, but like 30 plus years of how I existed and how the sun rose, it no longer rises that way. It's different. Oh, I love that too. Yeah. Like it, and you know, it's, it's so interesting how external it is, right? Love and trust grow a kind of strength that is much bigger, right? Than us, right? Mm -hmm. It's bigger than we are. And, you know, I think about how like spiritually that is like, that is a very spiritual statement, right? Um, When like, uh, I think it was Brene Brown who talked about, (laughs) uh, who talked about spirituality being, uh, (laughs) believing in something that is bigger than us in a in a power so to speak that is bigger than us that is grounded in love and like that's what is being described in this sentence right it's that something is bigger than us it is outside of us it is more than we are by ourselves um yeah it's just this is a a really interesting like and i think that's what again i'm i'm like that's why this practice is so cool because it's one of those things where it's like again as you said these two are such loaded statements and we could have picked any of them and they would have been theoretically just as interesting and so mm-hmm. uh can you like this like ugh, when you do when you do deep dives it's super cool that's like it's what we're learning here <laughs> um Okay, let's let's go back. Let's go back into why you picked it. And so will you read yours one more time and then give us the context for who said it and why you picked it? Yes. Love and trust grow a kind of strength that is much bigger than we each possess. And Amaya is saying that to Rayla right after Amaya has apologized for almost killing Rayla. And Rayla has gone through this moment where she's like, I never meant to hurt Callum because Amaya then threatens her, right? If you ever hurt my nephew again, I'll literally kill you. And then Rayla has this defensive reflex of, I wasn't trying to hurt him. I was trying to protect him. And I tried to protect him by leaving. Like that's how I could protect him. Or that's how I thought I could protect him in the moment. And I love how Amaya takes this moment to see herself Mm. in Rayla, but there's also the the part she turns her back to Rayla as she's talking about the time that she had to be alone after her sister passed. And I just, it's so interesting because, um, oh, not Corvus, who's translating for her? Yes, it's translating. and But there's such a thing in the deaf community, right? If you turn away from someone that you're speaking to or are speaking at, they can't see you speaking, right? Because you're not verbally doing it, you're visually doing it with your hands. So a lot of times if you turn away from someone, that's perceived as disrespectful or you're angry with them because you don't want to see the words that they're sharing but in this case it's not because it's like she's so overcome with emotion that she can't look yeah she can't look at Rayla and be this vulnerable but she knows that the message will be delivered 
even though she cannot do it by herself, right? Like that's the beautiful thing in this speech. Oh, so good. She, she's not able to do it on her own. She's not able to communicate it on her own and she needs her her partner, right? Like we see how well these two characters work together and how they communicate with just an eye contact, right? Or a nod of a head. And yet they can, they read each other, right? They read their body language. They just read so much into each other's emotions and that she's able to be vulnerable, even though she's facing away from the people, but they're there to catch her at the same time. Yeah. That would like, talk about trust. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, man. Oh, that's such a good point too, to think about how, I, I feel like there's so much emotion in signing versus speaking right because your whole body is involved Mm -hmm. and just to be seen you know signing slash saying this is I I, it feels to me inherently more vulnerable than it does to just say something aloud um and so this this added nuance of her turning away is just fascinating that I, I didn't even pick up on that so I'm really thankful that you're you're lifting that up that's that's so good wow well that just adds to the thought process a little bit that's so I you know I usually tick two or three things that come up for me in terms of like that's a pretty little flower that's a pretty little flower and sometimes it's like oh that's a dark dark flower um and (laughs) this is one of those things where it's a little bit of both like this is such a beautiful line that comes from Sol Regum who says this of course we we were actually talking about it earlier um Mm -hmm. and like this is this dragon that we kind of associate with the sun right this is like the sun is you know uh in terms of like a leading thing it feels like a leader the sun does and when we first meet Solregum, it's in the midst of this big sunbeam that's happening and in the history and context it's like this it's very sun oriented and for the this what i equate to be this sun dragon <laughs> uh will never rise again for me is the sun will never rise again for me is like I will never rise is kind of how I took that too in a in a poetic sense and um here we are with Kareem being like I don't care what you feel I'm gonna make you rise (laughs) uh so it's just a really interesting line that I felt had some double meaning that I found really interesting and the fact that he is a sun uh fire elf prince right? Like that also has added layer to it, right? Because it's not just an elf from another elemental force speaking to, and uh, Solrum is referred to as the arch dragon of the sun. So like, you're right on point with that, right? So the fact that the prince of the sunfire elves is like, listen, man, I have words. (laughs) (laughs) I have words. listen to my wise words even though I'm you know what in my 20s and you are thousands of years old yeah well and it's so interesting too if we again look back at this pairing that we've got right like love and trust grow a kind of strength that is much bigger than we each possess the sun will never rise again for me aka I will never rise aka I don't have love and trust because I don't and I don't have that kind of strength anymore right it's like Mm -hmm. this really interesting in a way it's also saying I don't have love and trust 
Mm-hmm. Right? Right? Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, and especially even though the second part of the quote comes from the dragon in the first part is from a human, it almost gives us, you know, how we were talking earlier about how we needed that backstory of, yeah, yeah. like, if when we put the quotes together, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's his backstory right there. It like, <laughs> there's, no, there's no love and trust, which is why he's not rising. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out love and trust, helpful. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who uh, would have thought? Not us. Turns out Florilegia kind of cool. <laughs> turns out we are smart individuals. Yeah. No, this is such a cool practice. Thank you for uh, doing it with me. This is so great. Of course. Thanks for choosing this practice. Yeah. Well, my pleasure. Um, and that's going to bring us to gratitude. Gratitude. Uh, exactly. A great, great, great segment for the podcast. Uh, so who's a character from this episode that you are thankful for and why? Uh, okay, but there's so many, Ben. How am I supposed to choose? Yeah, it's tough. I'm going to trust you to to boil it down to one. Oh, ha, ha, ha. I, see <laughs> what you, I see what you did there. Um, I'm going to go with Kazi because mm. not only did she find the piece of knowledge that we needed, but her skills and previous experience being a library nerd is what ended up saving two people's lives yeah. at the end. And in both instances, like we talked about earlier, she was shut down. And yet it was the crucial parts of the story later on. Plot twist. Surprise. Thunk. <laughs> Who to thank? Uh, yeah. And yeah, and the fact that after the first time she was shut down of telling and sharing the story about, oh, you know, occasionally a couple of books got dropped on me, but they were very interesting books anyway. Uh, and yet, like, did not lose that spark of light and enthusiasm when she found the poetry. Yeah. Right? Like, she could have been cranky and upset that, well, nobody's listening to me and like, murr, murr, murr. Yeah. but she wasn't. She was just so willing to search for information and knowledge. Yeah, what a winner. Yeah, I love that. Oh, man, this is, you're right. This is this is tough. There's so much going on here. I, I think it's really hard to kind of parse out how sacrificial this group is for one another. Um, and I, I'm thinking of Corvus because, you know, again... Zubaya gets got and Corvus immediately just jumps off and does what he needs to do and puts himself again in danger. And again, like part of this is like, I'm willing to sacrifice myself for the king and I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that. And, you know, crown guard, things like that. But it's just this complete willingness to put himself in service of what he thinks is right. And it's really complicated for me because, you know, I like I have so many thoughts running through my head. Like he's the only person of color aside from Ezrin who is, you know, on the like and he's 
the one who sacrifices himself here. Of course, that's not, you know, Amaya is also sacrificing herself in a way and saying, and yelling, go. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just this, it's, it's complex. And at the same time, I'm really grateful for it. And I, like, I don't know what that says about me, but it's a, it's a beautiful moment of being willing to, you know, put people who are younger than him ahead of like, if there's just a lot going on here that, I, I really appreciate Corvus for so yeah I'm really grateful and there's that scene right after he falls that he signs it was an honor yeah. to serve with you and that just like that also got me going the first time yeah. I watched it yeah you think they're gonna die <laughs> it's like oh man yeah. oh wow what an episode wow Speaking of what an episode, what an episode. We just had a great episode. Yeah, that was meta. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, okay, Maggie, I don't know how interested you are in being found, but if anybody else who's listening is interested, how would you like them to find you? Uh, They should go support B&B on Patreon, and then they can come to the live (laughs) episodes, and then they'll get to hang out with me via Zoom and, you know, the other two incredible Patreons. Hi, Rahul. Hi, Kelly. I'll do a shout out. Come hang out with us. It's great. That's yeah, amazing. We have it's interesting too because we have more than the the three of y'all who hang out for our uh, who hang out on Patreon, but yes. y'all are our ones who uh, come to the live episodes consistently. Mm-hmm. And then I know that there are several of them who watch the videos. Um, and so again, even if you join on Patreon, BNB underscore Pod, and are like nervous about joining the live episodes, you can just watch all of the old ones that we have that are all there stored for you to go find that content so um we'd love to have you join the conversation and talk to talk to maggie and talk to me and the rest of us but um you can they can comment and then we'll comment on their comments like you don't have to physically be there physically i say you know you don't have to be there physically on zoom if that's uncomfortable like love to chat with you on patreon it'll be great yeah check us out uh, and if you have any questions about that, find us on all the other social medias, BNB underscore pod. We don't post all the time, but we are there and we're fairly responsive if people connect with us. So check us out. Uh, and until then, we wish you well. Thank you so much for listening. If financial support seems hard for you, feel free to leave us a review. Those are cool and we appreciate those too. And Maggie, this has been phenomenal. Thank you for, we did, we did pretty good. This was good. Yeah, we did great. Air high five, man. That was awesome. Boom. We did it. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. And until next time, be well.